All right. Hello and welcome to the Offensive Security Podcast. I am Heather Monthe, your host for today's podcast. Joining me today is a former colleague and friend, Mike Manrod, who is the CISO of Grand Canyon Education in Phoenix, Arizona. Mike and I worked together for several years, and I'm excited to have him join us on today's podcast to talk about how he recruits aspiring cybersecurity professionals and mentors them and guides them along in their career paths. Mike has done a fantastic job as a cybersecurity leader to develop a talent pipeline for his team. Mike has several years of experience as a cybersecurity analyst, director, and CISO in higher education, as well as in local government for Maricopa County, Arizona. He also has previously taught upcoming cybersecurity professionals at the University of Phoenix. So he's got a great mix of cybersecurity experience in an industry, academia, and local government. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Heather. It's a real privilege to be here and to get to spend this time with you chatting. I'm very excited about this. So thanks. Um, so let's get started first. Like, just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into cybersecurity. I think you have a very unique background and sort of a non-traditional background. I think that our listeners would love to hear. It's, it's such a fun story and it's been such a fun journey. Um, I am a mid-career transition into cyber and before I found cyber, I drifted through lots of other things. I you know, was in Navy medicine. You know, I worked within you know, other facets of technology. And then a buddy of mine, um, who I actually had the privilege of, of getting to chat with last night, and I were, were out for beers and food after martial arts practice. And I was in the tail end of grad school. And uh, I asked him the question, like, hey, I've got three classes left. They're all cyber. Let me interview you. And you know, I can cite you as a source. It'll make it much easier for me as a student. He was like, hey, I got you. I'll do one better. I've got a plus one speakers pass at DEF CON. Come with. You can take all the notes you'll ever need. And I went and I immediately fell in love. Um, like I fell in love with security, with the community. And, um, you know, I never looked back. So from there, from there, I had the chance to, uh, to kind of took a demotion from being in leadership to being an analyst. And I and, uh, had to work really hard to get that opportunity, but then I just, I've just loved every minute of it since. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, it's good to hear that we've got opportunities for people that are not necessarily 22 years old and fresh out of college, that this is something that you can be a little bit older, maybe a little bit more seasoned in some other discipline and um, transition into a career in cybersecurity. Um, so you talked a little bit about, about martial arts. My, my next question is to share an interesting tidbit about you that's not tech or cyber related. And you, you touched a little bit about martial arts. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So martial arts has been a longtime passion of mine. I did it for about 25 years, not so much since COVID. So I'd say like the first half of that, like if you sliced across my entire lifetime and looked at it, martial arts has definitely been one of the big themes, but lately it's cooking. Having, uh, having five kids that are now in the ages where they eat a ton, um, I'm just having a lot of fun playing with different recipes to smoke things and to come up with different ways to cook enough food to keep five teens and preteens fed. So that's like a hobby in and of itself. It's, a, it's like a hobby and a chore. <laughs> All in one, yes. I, I picked up the cooking, the cooking hobby a little bit more during, during COVID as well. And my cookbook collection has grown. I actually got three, three new cookbooks this morning. So <laughs> it, that's something I've been uh, really experimenting with too. So 
Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about your experience as a CISO. So what, what, t- just tell us a little bit about it. You know, what do, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges in, in your role as a CISO of a, you know, very large organization? It's, it's interesting because I think the challenges vary with phases of maturity. In a new program, the challenge is always about tools and getting tools stood up and getting the right controls. And then it becomes a challenge of response. And okay, all the tools are telling us we're getting attacked. What do we do about it? And then I feel like, you know, in, in our program, we're now in a phase where those things have been evolving for a long time. And now it's sort of like, hey, what about governance? How are we dealing with risk? How are we dealing, how are we partnering with, educating with, and teaming up with the business? So I'd say it's been a different challenge for each phase of our maturing and growing up as an org. And now it now it's very much, we're very much into that phase where maturing our governance and risk practice is definitely top of mind. Good. Yeah. And that's that's my background is in governance and risk. So it's excite, it's it's exciting for me to talk about. You might not think it's very exciting, but I like talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, so fun. It's like, you got to have fun in what you're doing, right? So you got to make risk and conversations about governance. You got to make that a little bit fun. Um, So what would you say is some of the most rewarding parts of of your role? I would say the most rewarding part of my role by by far and away is just getting, you know, I know this is a passion of yours too, seeing people grow, right? Like, you know, meeting with somebody five years ago and finding out, you know, they don't, they're maybe not very skilled and want to get started and have nothing but ambition, character, and drive, and then look look at them three, five years later and see them doing amazing things like that. That's just so inspiring and heartwarming to see. And obviously we get our bruises along the way in that journey, but when we see somebody succeed and reach their goals, it's it's really inspiring. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously that's a huge, huge part of, of my personal satisfaction with my job is, is helping people to achieve their goals. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that, that you can, you can be an educator at heart at, in any role within security. I think that, you know, as you get into leadership and you get more advanced in your skills, I always say it's, you know, it's time to kind of turn around and, and help the people coming up behind you. And I think that you do an awesome job with that. You've always been a great mentor for, um, for students and for people new to security and for maybe people that maybe are in their mid-careers and they want to get more into leadership. Um, so what might be some advice that you might have for other CISOs or CTOs, CIOs, IT managers, you know, that people that they're just a little bit further in their careers what might, what are some, you know, just things that they can do, you know, they, maybe they don't have time to go and sign up and teach a class at their local college. They don't have, they can't dedicate that time. Right. But there are things that they can do that don't take a lot of time. So what might be some, some pieces of advice that you would have for, for those people that are interested in giving back and helping to, you know, bring up the next generation of cybersecurity professionals? Well, boy, it's something we should all be thinking about and um, I love how you characterize it, you know, across the spectrum. Obviously, if you can get in the classroom and be an adjunct and share your knowledge directly, that's the best. But part of it's creating on-ramps. Um, and I'll, I'll call out another friend, probably mutual friend, Naomi Buckwalter. Like she's constantly talking about how it's not an entry-level role if you post it and say five years experience in CISSP and graduate degree. 
and you have to know, you know, 25 advanced technical disciplines. No, that's not entry level. You know, I feel like as CIOs, CTOs, what C whatever, we need to come together to create on ramps that students and new graduates can really get onto and then invest the effort in building them up over time. And of course, if you're if you're an analyst or an administrator or an engineer, you can help that with that, you know, develop the people. If you're a leader, you can help create those pathways and sign off on, on investing in, in that next generation of talent. Um, and then obviously we need people to actually go to take those on ramps. So we obviously need talented people to put in the work to ramp up too. So I feel like there's ways all different types of people can participate. Yeah, those are some great, some great ideas. Um, I'm going to put in a shameless plug here. I recently wrote a white paper um, that you can get on the offensive security website on how to write an entry-level job description um, specifically for junior pen testers or junior stock analysts. I've got two different templates that, that you can download. And the idea there is a lot of what you just talked about, Mike, is that you see these job postings, you can go on any job board at any given day and you can search for entry-level job, cybersecurity jobs, and they're requiring the CISB, which by default, you need five years of experience. So that's not an entry-level position. But then they're also requiring, you know, 15 different pieces of technology that, you know, how many people really have experience with all 15 of pieces of those technology, right? Or they're, or they're requiring all these different programming languages or eight years of experience in a technology that's only been out for four. You know, we see that all the time. Um, and so the, the idea behind the, the white paper and what I, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about here is that, you know, if, if a company is struggling to find cybersecurity talent, obviously one thing to do is to look at their, their job postings, right? Look, are they written correctly? Are they written in a way that people aren't self-selecting out? They're not just saying, they're not reading this and going, you know, I only meet 60% of these qualifications. So they don't even bother applying. That's what happens, right? But what are some other what are some other things that you you can do as you know hiring manager that like, okay, I've got to figure out where to find people. I got to figure out where to find people and bring them in and 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 groom them and get them get them on the right path for my for my organization. Well, you know, resources like your white paper are tremendously helpful, obviously. And some of it is as hiring managers, it's on us to give to give students a chance to build internships to, you know, there have been a few times where I've gone to my leadership and said, okay, you gave me one senior level position. Please let me split it in half and make it two junior level positions. And sometimes it's, it's quite a bit of, takes quite a bit of discussion, but in the end, we've been able to do that and, and it creates those, those on-ramps. The other is practice. I know, I know you've invested a lot of time in this too, and we've talked about it for years now, but practical skills. You know, in, in, our, in our discussion before we actually started the podcast, I loved what you were talking about. Of, you know, in the beginning of cyber education, everybody was just assigning essays. And heck, I even did it. I was guilty of it back in the day when I was uh, adjunct. So, so we've got to create practical learning experiences at, at every level and the resources are available now, but as, as the more senior people within the industry, hiring managers, senior technicians, educators, we need to help guide the next generation of learners to the right tools, to the right experiences, obviously home labs, cyber ranges, you know, the, these are the pathways 
CTFs, you know, ha hackathons, these types of things are just so key. So, yeah. And, and, you know, when we were talking before the podcast, you know, I, for the listeners, I had mentioned how, when I first got into higher education, um, the, the way I saw information security being taught was all writing papers, um, and, and writing policies and, you know, that kind of thing, right. Which is important. That's important for an organization. You need to have policies. You need to, you know, especially if you're working in certain areas of cybersecurity, you need to have very good written communication skills. Okay. That's, so that's not to say that's not valuable. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I'm writing papers, well, you, you do need to have that, that writing ability too. But there also is this other side that you need to have this hands-on, these hands-on skills. You need to be able to, you know, try new technology, try um, new products, try new, try, just try new things, right? And, and, and breaking down a problem into small little chunks of problems and solving them, right? So um, that's what we were talking, just for the listener's sake, this, that's what we were talking about before the, that we started recording the podcast. So, um, so you've done a lot of hiring of people brand new to security. So whether they're, you know, in school, they're in a degree program, or maybe they're, uh, you know, a little bit older and, you know, they've got some training. Um, but how do you, what, what might be some advice that you give to IT and security managers, how to spot that top talent? So you're just, it's an entry, you, you've got a really good entry-level candidate in front of you. How do you know that they're a really good entry-level candidate? They might not have experience with all the different, you know, pieces of hardware or software, that kind of thing that you have on your, in your organization, but they've just got the right, they've just got the right stuff, right? So how, how is it that you identify those candidates? Well, it really is top of mind because I think there's two components. There's what we can identify in an interview, which I'll circle back to in a moment, um, because there's really only so much we can identify in an interview. It is an imperfect method of assessment. Um, one thing that I've seen is super helpful is to go from a wide end of a funnel with, with, uh, with very much lower level basic internships that then scaffold to more and more difficult technical internships. And I've found, um, and this is a great equal opportunity plug, sometimes it's not who you think when you make the open end of the funnel wide who emerges as the top person at the end. It's not always who we expect. So I think it's great to provide lots of basic opportunities and see who has the drive, the determination, and, and, and maybe even hidden talents that you don't discover right away to make it the distance. I will say that when it is time to do a technical interview though, um, asking things about what people can do and what people know instead of what they have done. You know, if I were to say, Heather, do you have eight years experience in managing firewalls? You know. You might be like, oh, no, and leave demoralized if you were that entry-level person. But if I were to instead say, hey, tell me about how you organize firewall rules or tell me about the difference between layer three rule structure and how you'll, layer, you'll add layer seven you know, application level protections. If you give really good answers to those questions, you're probably the right person for the job, whether you have three years or seven years or whether you've just done a really good job in your own home lab and personal learning experience. Yeah, I like that. I like that thought of just rather than looking for a specific number of years of experience that it's, you know, walk me through your process of how you would do this. 
Um, I think that that's a, that's a good way, you know, you know, when you look at like behavioral ways of, of interviewing people, I think that that's a, that's a really good strategy that, that we can use in, in security as well, versus just checking the box that somebody's got, you know, five years of experience with X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, so can you, can you, can you, without, you know, obviously without sharing you know, specifics, but can you, can you share an example of maybe a time where you had a candidate that maybe they didn't have all the right technical skills, but you knew that you knew that they just, they had, they had little something that you could help them grow into a, a really successful cybersecurity professional. Do you have any examples like that? Or, or even maybe even for yourself where it's like you, you know, you're a mid-level uh, or mid-career transition, you know, into cybersecurity, you know, somebody had to give you that first chance, right? So what might be, what might be an example of, you know, somebody that maybe they just didn't have all the right technical skills, but they had some really good experience in some of their areas, or they just, they had the right, you know, mindset that you were willing to bring them on your team and help them grow. Well, uh, since our team is actually more people who are either mid-career transition or, uh, or, or students that, that you and I even collaborated on getting started back in the day, more of the stories are like that than the ones that are the, the normal path, if you will. Um, but I'll, I'll summarize with a few short stories instead of one long one. I mean, we had someone apply for a sysadmin job that we immediately put into an admin and later an engineering role where they'd never had a security job in their life. But as we walked through the different key elements that they had worked on as a sysadmin, it's like, whoa, you'd be amazing in security. And sure enough, day one, they were amazing in security. There was no ramp up. They were just awesome day one because they were able to connect the dots from what they used to do to what we had them do. And, and then obviously, I think you and I could give examples without calling out specific people all day about students. You know, one of the, one of the folks that, that I know you and I have, bo have both been really proud of in the past was a music major that discovered a love for CTFs, that discovered a love for cyber. Of course, by the time I interviewed that person between the academic foundations and the contest, they really did know a lot. But there have also been a couple of people who, who, who didn't even necessarily have the technical ability, but we were able to assess that, hey, asking a few good questions, wow, this person thinks about it the right way. You know, this person thinks about things differently if we give them the knowledge, they'll do really great. And we've had a few of those too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, one thing that I just, you know, I like to talk about a lot is that there are so many, you know, really great entry-level candidates that they may not be what you, what you traditionally expect. They're not, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old in a college program or 22, they're a recent college graduate. They could be somebody who's, you know, a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, um, has got some really great experience um, in, in some other profession. They've developed some really good professional skills. Um, so now let's get them, let's get them into security. And I, you know, I think that just, I, I would like to see um, more and more people talking about, you know, when we're talking about entry-level candidates, it's not just, it's not just your traditional college graduate. Um, so let's do a final question here. So what are your thoughts on how we do cybersecurity education today and where do you think it needs to go? So I guess, I guess that's two questions. <laughs> yeah, so we've come a long ways. I mean, 
those of us, those of us who've been in it, you know, quite a while, you know, as we, as you reflected on, you know, back in the day, we assigned papers and cyber classes because it's the only tool we had. You know, back in the day, it was really hard to find resources to learn. Now the resources are abundant. There are so many great labs and contests, and there's websites that show different CTFs that you can literally, you could, you could just spend your life competing in CTFs and learn that way just about. Um, there's so many pathways. There's so many great, great resources. Obviously, we've got the, the GCU CCE that you've participated in for a long time and continues to evolve and improve. But um, I feel like going net, the, the place we need to go next is a more organized, curated path that maps the skill sets in a way where people can prioritize them. Because now there's so much out there. It's overwhelming to me. And, and I've been doing this for a little while. So it's got to be really overwhelming to people just starting out. So I feel like where it's going to in the future is I feel like we need to create curated pathways of experience that help people identify on-ramps, long-term goals, how they connect over time, and what both didactic and practical learning experiences will then build toward that those ultimate goals. Because I, I see people you know, this looks cool, that looks cool, that looks cool. They sprinkle a bit, put a bunch together. They know a bunch of things, but maybe it's not quite focused enough to get the job they want. Whereas if we can, we can help curate and organize it, it might make it easier for folks. Yeah, I think that, you know, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years that any kind of technology education, not just security, I think has, has really, really, really advanced and improved just in the advances in technology that allows you to do that learning, right? So things like virtualization, cloud computing allows us to be able to teach hands-on skills um, at scale and at a distance, you know, versus like, you know, back, you know, way back in the day when, when I was teaching, you know, sometimes if you're teaching online, it's, it's sending in a lot of different screenshots and trying to figure out, you know, how, to, you know, how to coordinate time schedules so you can look at each other's computers, that kind of stuff. And I think that, um, you know, now with, with all the advances that we have in, in technology and specifically educational technology allows us to be able to teach these hands-on skills um, even if you're looking at things like coding and, you know, IT and, and some of these other, other skills that really, really, really require the hands-on component to it. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's where we need to continue going with, um, cybersecurity education. I like what you said about, um, prioritizing those skills as well. So if you go back to, you know, a job posting, right, where you've got, um, you know, 15 different pieces of technology that you need a candidate to have experience with, or you want them to have experience with, well, you know, are, are all of those the priority? <laughs> Which ones are really the priority? Um, so that when you are interviewing people, you know, like if somebody's got experience, they're, they're, they're a super expert in, you know, X, Y, and Z, but you need somebody that really knows A, B, and C, you know, that, that really can be detrimental to the hiring process then as well. So my little two cents there. So um, okay. Do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to leave our listeners with, with regards to, you know, just thinking about their own cybersecurity careers or even, um, you know, hiring managers who are trying to uh, fill positions and, and, and bring on more people onto their teams? So I think we've given some good things to the hiring managers, but 
in terms of like a simple, concise memo that I'd like to send myself 10 years ago, if I could, for those starting out, I feel like if, if you make a, a clear career path that lines up with your, with your strengths that you already have, whether you're just starting out or whether you're a mid-career transition point, and then you build a plan and work towards it a little bit each day to advance along that trajectory, and then you know, come, up, come up with the practical side of that too. Uh, obviously, home labbing and ranges and CTFs are great, but, but build a plan to advance the practical skills just a little bit further each day, and don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. I like that. I like that a lot of just working on it a little bit each day. Cause if you think about it from that perspective, like how much could you learn and accomplish in a year? If you just did a little bit every single day, how much could you learn in five years and 10 years? Like if you just a little bit every day. So that's your final piece of advice. So thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on the offensive security podcast. And to our listeners, I will see you in the next episode.